The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California legislature. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, this morning our show is about the dark web, and there's a lot of dangerous things about the dark web, and some people don't even know what it is, and we are so thrilled to welcome back to our show a wonderful guest that we've had on several times before, Susan Grant, and she's going to tell us all about how we can protect ourselves and what's going on. So let me tell you a little bit about Susan. Susan Grant is Director of the Consumer protection and privacy at the Consumer Federation of America. And she works specifically in the areas of privacy, identity theft, online safety and security, telemarketing, electronic and mobile commerce, deceptive marketing, fraud, and general consumer protections issues. She does a wonderful job. Susan heads the CFA's Consumer Protection Institute, and she conducts CFA's annual consumer complaint survey, and she's a recognized authority on combating consumer fraud and deception. She began her career in 1976 in the Consumer Protection Division of the Northwestern Massachusetts District Attorney's Office, and then she held positions at the National Association of Consumer Agency Administrators and the National Consumers League before joining CFA back in 2008. You can find out more about her at privacypiracy.org and at consumerfed.org. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, you're always a treat to have and have so much great insight and wisdom for us. So, Susan, let's talk about the dark web. I know you've been doing a lot of research into this and trying to deal with consumer issues with the dark web. So could you explain to my audience, what is the dark web? Sure. Well, the dark web is a term that refers to networks that use the Internet but require specific software configurations or authorization to access. And it's really a part of something bigger called the deep web, the part of the web that isn't indexed by web search engines. Essentially, it's kind of a hidden part of the Internet that you can only access if you've got the right software and authorization to do it. Um, And where we see the term used a lot these days is by identity theft uh, 
service providers who advertise increasingly that as part of their service, they will uh, provide dark web scanning. Um, and what that means is that they will uh, scan uh, these sort of hidden parts of the Internet to see if your information, your personal information, like your Social Security number, is being offered for sale on it. This makes the dark web sound very nefarious, and in fact, there are a lot of nefarious things going on there. It's used by a lot of criminals for different purposes, but it's not entirely an evil place. It's also used by whistleblowers to put information somewhere where no one can get at it unless they've specifically given them um, the information that they need to do that. Um, so it's, it, there are good reasons to hide things on the Internet, but um, what we're going to talk about today are the bad things. Right. So in order to access the dark web, let's say you didn't want to use an identity theft protection agency to scan the dark web, what would you have to do? I mean, you'd have to buy certain software. And I mean, can anyone do that? Or how do you get in there? Well, <laughs> you could if you really knew what you were doing and wanted to, um, you know, buy whatever you have to buy to do it. And then to get into um, the places where crooks are selling um, people stolen personal information, um, that would be another layer that you'd have to go through to prove your bona fides and um, uh, be willing to pay for that information. So the long and the short of it is that while security experts can get into it, um, the average person cannot. And um, that's why these services are being promoted, because it's not something that consumers can easily do themselves. Although um, finding out that your information is being um, offered for sale on the dark web isn't necessarily terribly helpful. Right. <laughs> we'll talk up a little bit more about that. But okay, so who runs the dark web? Well, no one runs it, just like no one really runs the Internet. Um, but there are um, different people and groups of people that create various networks um, in the dark web in which to do the things that they want to do, um, which in, the, in this case is um, offer... Uh, uh, stolen personal information for sale, but it's also used um, uh, by um, uh, pornographers, uh, by terrorists, um, and, and others who want to um, communicate with people to sell them something or buy something or help them with something, um, but don't want to do it in a public way because uh, uh, very often what they're doing is illegal. As I say, there are some um, benign uses of the dark web, uh, but, um, you know, what we're focusing on today is 
the dark uh, side of the dark I, web. The dark side <laughs> of the dark web, that's right. So what about law enforcement? Um, doesn't law enforcement get in there? I'm sure that they do. Um, and um, uh, especially if they're looking for something in particular. But um, as you know, Mari, there's a lot of things that law enforcement uh, officials have to do on a day-to-day basis. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that there's not um, police or FBI agents or others who are necessarily just looking at the vac- vast amount of information that's on the dark web every day. Um, uh, you know, they have to uh, prioritize what they do. So if they are um, looking for particular kinds of things or um, uh, for um, uh, particular um, uh, culprits who go by names that they may be able to find, um, they may search the dark web, but, you know, nobody's, it's not like somebody's monitoring it all the time for everything that may occur there. Right. You would think that there are some people in there looking for the terrorists, though. I mean, if the terrorists can hide in there, you would think that they would um, have some law enforcement looking there for or following the terrorists as much as possible. I'm sure they are, and I think that's probably a real priority. Right, right, right. So is it actually illegal to access the dark web? Um, there's nothing that I know of that is illegal about it. It's what you do there um, that may sometimes be illegal. Um, It is illegal to um, sell or use um, people's uh, personal information for uh, fraudulent purposes. Um, So, you know, that would um, be an activity in the dark web that that could be illegal but no it's 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 not like just going there would be a crime right right well that's what i was going to say cuz the the reality is is that these um identity theft protection services are going in there so somebody's going in there just... <laughs> yeah yeah and you know um uh security experts and i have to admit that when it comes to the technical aspects of all this, I am not, um, you know, can get in there, um, whether they work for law enforcement or for a, 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 a private company like an identity theft service provider, um, and, um, and, and, and see what's going on. But even then, it, it would be kind of inefficient if you weren't looking for a particular thing. So, right, you right. know, you're not going to be necessarily combing through um, everything that's in there. But if you sign up for one of these services, then they're going to be looking for information that relates to you. Right. So before we get into how they, you know, how these services are working and stuff, because I know that's a big priority for you, um, let's tell my audience about how the dark web really does increase or how it, you know, subjects you to identity theft? Well, when there's a data breach, for instance, and we've had some really big 
data breaches like the Equifax breach last year. Yeah. Um, uh, the people who are um, breaking into these databases and stealing people's personal information are not necessarily going to use it themselves. They um, they have a, a, a business, an <laughs> illegal business, of selling that information to others um, who may resell it or use it themselves. Um, and these are often organized um, crime rings. Uh, so what they will uh, really profit from is not using your credit card number, for instance, but selling your credit card number to others who will try to use it. And that's much more lucrative and a more sort of efficient way of making money um, than... Um, uh, in, uh, than, than using it themselves. Right, right. They might as well buy a profile of somebody and somebody else can take over. And meanwhile, they just, uh, they're the wholesaler. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you could think of them that way. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I wonder, we were just talking for a second about that Equifax breach. And I just wonder if Equifax has gone in there to try and find all the people that were breached from their, uh, you know, all those people who were exposed due to their breach. I wonder if that, if they searched the dark web, because they you know, know who has been, you know, affected, right? Yeah, I, um, I actually am sorry to say that I don't know the answer to that, because I don't remember if that scanning um, was part of the free identity theft service that they offered as mm-hmm. a result of the breach. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, there's no real definition to dark web scanning. Um, even if it's offered as a service to you, um, I don't know how you would tell or how I would tell um, uh, where they're looking, have they looked everywhere that they could, um, you know, it's, uh, as the name implied, kind of dark yeah. <laughs> and hard to see um, what's really going on there. So, so, uh, so one question that I have is how thorough dark web scanning is yes. when it's being provided to you, and I really don't know the answer to that. Right. And I know this is something that you've been worried about. So let's let's talk about this, because I know you have this wonderful task force that you've been coordinating and mediating among all these different identity theft protection services, providers and privacy people to try and have best practices. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, identity theft protection services and what they're doing or offering to do with the dark web, and then we can talk about what are they really doing, and we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they, they, my concern is that in advertising um, dark web scanning as a feature of their services, that um, consumers may get the wrong impression about how thorough that is and um, what the ID 
identity theft service can do if, in fact, it finds your information somewhere where it shouldn't be. Um, I have seen over the last few years um, some advertisements that I thought were really troubling where they sort of implied that um, maybe the identity theft service could remove your personal information from um, one of these dark places. And that's not true. They don't have the ability to do that, nor do you for that matter. Right. Um, so, so that's one concern that I have. And um, we've, in our Identity Theft Service Best Practices Working Group, which as you described is made up of um, companies that provide ID theft services and privacy and consumer advocates. Um, we have talked a little bit about this. We've just had a preliminary conversation, and, and, and we've been thinking about um, uh, the fact that it might be useful to uh, produce some tips for consumers about what dark web scanning means and how it works and, and, and what you shouldn't expect, um, just so it'll be uh, clear to people. Um, if your information is found, it's good to know that, and there may be some proactive steps that you want to take to, um, you know, if, if your password is found, for instance, to change that password in the various places where you may be using it. But, it, you know, it's, it's not as if somebody can just um, pull it out of the dark web and um, uh, put the genie back in the bottle. Right, right. So, um, yeah, so I, I should tell you, I, I was telling you before we went on that just before our uh, radio show that I decided that I would do my own uh, free, <laughs> my free scan of the dark web with Experian, which is one of the three credit bureaus. And um, and so I did it, and it came back, and it basically told me that I was vulnerable as to my email address, um, and um, that that it was quote compromised, um, and that my address, my home address, was quote compromised, and um, but that my social security number and phone number was clear. That was all clear. And uh, so it basically, it, um, I, I ordered my free dark web scan <laughs> and, um, and it didn't really tell me anything except to make sure that I, it says here, uh, don't reuse a password on multiple sites. That was really the only uh, really good information that they gave me which I know not to do anyway but uh <laughs> yeah yeah um but what I did notice was in every way they said well you may have a problem with this uh the little note to me was um you know that I I that my primary information was scanned but could be compromised in the future and that I should um I should use their uh, safe identity theft safe scan. Uh, I'm sorry, it says we can help safeguard your identity with daily scans and more. So, um, so what about that? You know, this this free scan. What are 
What are your concerns about these free scans, or, well, do, or do you have any? <clears throat> I do. I mean, I, it's obviously a come on to get you to buy services. And, you know, it's fine to advertise services for sell and to use uh, uh, and to use sort of um, samples <laughs> right. like, like the one you got to um, sell them. But um, the question remains, um, is it a worthwhile product? Uh, if it's bundled into an identity theft service that you've bought anyway or that you've been provided because of a breach and it's free, you know, great. But, um, you know, is it worth buying? Let's take your situation, for example. Um, it found your email address mm-hmm. and your physical address. Right. And um, you are a well-known figure in the media and an attorney, and your email address is out there in a million places, so right. that's not surprising. Right, And right. Your, your home address is probably out there, too, as a licensed professional. So, uh, you know, um, neither of those things are terribly scary. I wouldn't go out necessarily and change my email address. Um, uh, it's not very useful to anybody unless someone's going to hack into your um, email and get your contacts and send messages. Um, uh, yeah, phishing messages. To be you, yeah. but then yeah. you know th- that would be a different that would be a different thing. You can't do that just you know having your email address. So uh, you know that's. That wouldn't cause me to think, oh, gee, I better sign up for something. Right. Um, uh, you know, the, the scariest thing, as you know, Mari, is your Social Security number being out there. Right. Because it's the key to your identity and can be used for all sorts of um, purposes, from applying for credit to getting a job um, to um, obtaining government benefits, pretending to be you. Right. But so if you find your Social Security number is out there, what are you going to do? You can't change it like you can change your credit card account number. Right. Um, uh, I mean, it's good to know so you can be extra vigilant. Right. Um, but there's not a heck of a lot that you can do otherwise. And I really think that this dark web scanning is... Um, gaining in popularity for two reasons. First of all, because um, people are worried about all these data breaches and they don't know, you know, where their information is and what's happening with it. So, you know, it kind of plays off of that fear. But second of all, and, and you probably recall, Mari, years ago when we talked about insurance that many um, identity theft services offered. Right. And um, it, it kind of sounded like, well, uh, if, you, uh, if you were a victim of ID theft, you, um, you could make a claim and get some money, but really that's not no. how it works. It just reimburses you for some documentable expenses that you might have. But right. even though it's not a terribly useful feature of an identity theft service, um, every service began 
um, offering it because every service began offering it. Right, and right. if you didn't offer it, it just seemed like you were not offering um, a complete service. Right, right. So, so I think the dark web scanning feature is um, it is kind of like that in a way. It's not very useful. Everybody's offering it because everybody's offering it. Um, and it is a way to, um, you know, make it sound as though um, you're um, safer having it when actually I don't really think that's the case. No. You know, I think what would be better if they would really offer is a comprehensive background check because that way people can see if there's, uh, you know, not only if somebody might be using their name for other purposes, like getting a job like what you were talking about, or whatever, or, you know, a, a criminal identity theft. Because yeah. I know that that is uh, something that I think would be really helpful to have a comprehensive background check, because then you'd see if somebody's using your identity, or if there was a mixture, or someone got confused with your identity. But I don't see many of these identity theft protection services offering a comprehensive background check. You're right. Um, for the most part, um, the services that they offer are the ones that are the least expensive for them to provide, whereas um, that kind of uh, thorough public records and um, commercial databases and other, you know, um, comprehensive um, uh, 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 scanning that, that, that you could do um, is more labor-intensive and expensive. You know, some of those, you can get public records for free, but you've got to have the uh, systems to, um, to, to, to obtain that information. Right, and, it may the not, and then you'd have government. to go, yeah, and you'd have to almost go, like to every state, you so would. yeah, it's that's it's right. Hard. And, and, and a lot of the commercial um, databases where there may be information about you, um, you need to pay to get that information. Right. So when you see offers for um, really um, broad monitoring services from identity theft um, uh, providers, they're they're usually uh, more expensive and. This is a situation where I think you get what you pay for. Yep, yep. And you know, like when there was the uh, the big breaches, like the Equifax, where, you know, whoever got that information really got everything about you, you know, your social security number, your birthday, all your personal information, your accounts, all this stuff. That, I mean, that was a horrible, horrible breach. But it seems like they should have offered... For those people who were compromised, they should have offered a comprehensive background check because there is so much that was revealed, whether you know they, they could become victims of medical identity theft or criminal identity theft or any kind of financial identity theft. So, you know, I mean, just to offer credit monitoring really was like nothing, you know? It was pretty limited. Yeah. Um, so... Um, that's why we uh, have been trying for the last several years to just, um, number one, educate consumers about 
um, what to look for in an identity theft service and what the different features um, mean um, and how they work. And number two, to encourage the identity theft service providers to make more clear um, and not uh, uh, misrepresent um, the services and features of those services that they provide. And I think that, um, you know, in the best practices that we've done for identity theft services, we didn't um, include anything about dark web scanning because it just it wasn't, wasn't a big deal on then. Our radar. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> wasn't. Know, now, yeah, now, now everybody's doing it. That, <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. It's it's interesting, and I think that at the very least, um, we need to um, uh, try to provide information to consumers so that they will not be misled, or even just not make assumptions that they might naturally make about what this is and what it does for them. Well, I think it's terrific, all the work that you do, and if you can put best practices with the dark web and add that on, that'll be great. But we are out of time, Susan. Do you believe it? It went so quick. I don't believe it. Well, <laughs> let's do another show okay. um, sometime in the next couple of months, and we can talk about the upcoming free credit freezes people yeah. will have. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're wonderful as usual. And we will have you back again. Thanks. And thanks for all you do, Mari. Oh, you're terrific. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.